Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, it's Seth Levitt from The Fish Tank here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. When I'm not riding OJ's coattails in the tank, I'm, well, riding Jason Taylor's coattails at the Jason Taylor Foundation. And this Monday night, November 5th, we've got one of our most popular fundraising events taking place as the Miami Dolphins legend and first ballot Hall of Famer hosts the 15th annual JT's Ping Pong Smash presented by Publix at the Seminole Hard Rock Event Center in Hollywood. Join JT and some of South Florida's best, including current and former Dolphins players, cheerleaders, local media personalities and more as they team up with generous community members like yourself to play in the original celebrity doubles table tennis tournament yes oj will be there as will ethan skolnick and a number of your favorite five reasons personalities the smash is a great night out for families as it also features interactive games haircuts the best buy fun zone and more so come on out to jt's ping pong smash 15 this monday night november 5th doors open at 5 30 p.m and admission for spectators is just a five dollar donation remember it's at the seminal hard rock events Center, so park in the Winner's Way Garage. For more information, visit jasontaylorfoundation.org or call 954-424-0799. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm your host, Alfredo Arteaga. I am here with Simon Clancy. I will have Chris Kaufman for the second half of the show. How are you doing, Simon? Good, man. How are you? I'm just watching the uh, inevitable Patriots trip to the Super Bowl as they play Buffalo on Monday Night Football. <laughs> yes. You notice it, it, it. the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. The French <laughs> say plus a change, which is essentially exactly that. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And every- I'm so bored. Yes, and every single year I wake up, inevitably a Monday in August, and I think to myself, this is the year year. that Tom Brady falls off the face of the earth. And no, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. He's like 61 years old or some shit. How is he still doing it? I have no idea. And, the, and of course, they're rumored to get now Demarius Thomas. They're rumored to get everybody. Like, everybody's rumored over there. Patrick Peterson. Yeah, everybody. Eventually, one of these days, these GMs are going to think to themselves, you know what? It might be a good idea not to send your best players to the best team over and over again. Do you know what's going to happen as well, though? Is that Brady will retire at the end of next season, and they'll end up drafting two at Tonga Bailoa, and we'll just have to do it all over again for 15 years. (laughs) Oh, God, no. No, I don't think that that's possible. I think Bill Belichick, uh, with his eyes closed, wins – Four games, and that's enough to not get him because he'll be he'll be the number one overall pick. Thank yeah, they'll God. just trade up or they'll do some <laughs> nonsense. Well, you know what could happen? Uh, Kyle Shanahan gets sick of Jimmy Garoppolo. He ends up back in New England, and we get 15 years of Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, maybe Green Bay will trade Aaron Rodgers to the Patriots. I think. And he'll play until he's 65. Yeah, sickening, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, it is. Talking about sickening, that game, Wow. This time they're doing it differently. Uh, against the Patriots, they just got killed. Against the Bengals, they collapsed. Against Detroit, they got dominated. But it was kind of interesting toward the end. This one was a game. Then the wheels fell off. Your experience watching that game, Simon? Yeah, it was shit. I mean, it was. I didn't enjoy much of it, frankly. Um, in part because you sort of knew what was going to happen. Uh, just, just defensively, but just such a horror show. I mean, such a horror show. I don't think I can remember a defensive performance from the Dolphins as abject as that. 
And, you know, we discussed it on, you know, our infamous WhatsApp group. We've discussed, you know, the future of Matt Burke. I don't know how Matt Burke can retain his job. Um, and, we, we, you know, we were critical in the past of, of Steve Ross being, you know, loyal beyond, above and beyond the call of duty. And I'm not sure how Matt Burke got out of that week with his job still intact. I mean, I do know it's because he and Adam Gates are very close. But I don't know how you overcome what happened. I mean, on every single level, we couldn't put, we, we couldn't, we couldn't get to Deshaun Watson in terms of pass rush, yet he holds the ball for longer than any quarterback in the NFL. When we did get to him, we couldn't tackle him. We must have missed about four sacks. We couldn't stop the run. Our run fits were, were appalling. Our linebackers were just all over the shop. I mean, Kiko makes a lot of tackles, but, you know, we just got run all over. And then the secondary was absolutely... Bobby McCain wasn't healthy, so Bobby McCain playing. And if he's not healthy, is he playing? Minka yes. Fitzpatrick, Pro Football Focus released this thing today to say that Minka Fitzpatrick is the number one rated cornerback in the NFL in terms of coverage. Why is Minka Fitzpatrick then not playing cornerback? You know, if, if, if McCain is so abject, then take him out of, the, take him out of the, the picture and put Fitzpatrick in cornerback. You know, TJ McDonald, mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. You know, when's he going to get, play Marie Smith. You know, play, play Fitzpatrick at free safety. You know, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand what's happening we get we get told about all these big changes that are going to happen and it seems like the only big changes have happened are they've cut marie smith and jamaris Pittman, and you kind of wonder (laughs) uh, i mean if that's the biggest news that's going to happen then fuck me i mean you know i mean it's difficult we'll get into the debate about gays and stuff but i don't know it's just hard watching the shit week in and week out and you know offensively you know i thought kenyon played well Uh, Devontae, obviously we talked about this pre-game but privately didn't we we said that Parker would have a big game but you know there's elements in that offense that look fantastic I mean was was Jadavion Clowney even playing or was no, it just Larry so, so Larry McFunzel's having an elite year he has not allowed a sack he has one holding penalty you know Drake played really well but Osweiler obviously came back down to earth and he just showed the quarterback that he was I mean I think there were three specific three, three plays in a row where he rolled out out of the pocket and then just had to throw it away because he's, he's just it, it, unable to, to complete passes out, out of the pocket. Um, you know, he got away with one with the, with the, the throw that he made to, to um, Jakeem that was kind of too high. And then, it, you know, Jakeem got hit and it bounced off somebody's helmet and hit, you know, Deshaun Watson's mother in the face and bounced <laughs> off Bill O'Brien, hit, hit, the, hit, the body of, um, hit the body of Joe Paterno and then bounced into the hands of Devontae Parker who caught it off, um, you know, caught it off David Corrish's dead left arm. <laughs> and... Um, I, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, you look around some of the play. Mike Jasicki, I know he's a rookie, but what's happening there? You know, Jasicki only seems to catch balls that are, you know, when he's running towards the sideline, tries to jump over everybody like he's fucking the world's <laughs> number one high jumper and it's the Olympic Games. <laughs> yes. um, he, look, I mean, if I was Adam Gaze, I'd be saying, mate, you're not Ed Moses. You know, stop trying to <laughs> hurdle everybody because you just get flipped up and land on your head all the time. I mean, yeah. I don't know if all those, all those bumps on the head are just making him stupid, but, you know. He is 260 pounds. I think it, it, it will behoove him to try to run people over that are 60 pounds lighter than he is. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and I don't blame Gaze for things like – I don't blame Gaze for things like the, the, the onside kick. You've got the best special teams coach in the league. You've got a really good kicker. If the best special teams coach in the league says, I tell you what, let's go for an onside kick because there's something I've seen on tape that might work, then fuck it because the defense isn't going to stop anybody. I mean, you pin them at the one. Matt Hawke could have punted 50 times. Pin them inside the five every single time. They they driven ninety five yards. So, yeah. you know, it's um, yeah, it was just abject, and you knew what was coming. We were playing catch up the whole time, and you can't expect Brock Osweiler to keep up with Deshaun Watson and uh, and Nuke Hopkins and Lamar Miller on that form when defensively we just can't stop them because it comes a track meet, and they've got better. You know, they they schematically were just better than us, and that's all it comes down to and, and for me I look at our schedule now and you know I know that since we started this podcast we've been talking up the Dolphins going you know 10 and 6 but you know that was with a, a healthy Ryan Tannehill you know and the players get injured teams have injuries I said to you yesterday you know we could we could I could have a, a scenario where we maybe only win two or three more games this season because we're not playing with Tannehill nobody knows when he's going to be back it doesn't look like he's going to play against the Jets Will he be ready for Green Bay? Uh, the cold of, you know, I'm going to be at a game in Lambeau, freezing cold weather. It's going to be like 
zero or minus, you know, it's going to, and they've moved it to the late window, the fourth 25 kickoff, so it's going to be colder. Is he going to want to be, you know, is that his first game back in the, in the, on the frozen tundra of, of Green Bay? I don't know. It's just, and all of a sudden, you know, you lose against the Jets, you lose against Green Bay, we're four and six and you're staring down the barrel. So, um, and I think the, the story of that game was Adam Gase dialing up that touchdown where they throw it to Amendola. Amendola throws it across the field to Kenyon Drake. He scores, mm. and now we have ourselves a football game. And it's 21-17, to 17, and we're going to kick off, and we have a defense. At least we thought we had a defense. And Adam Gase, you see him on the sidelines. He's excited. And he goes over to Matt Burke and gives him like a stern talking to. And Matt Burke is all yes this and yes that and yes this. The very next play, mm. <laughs> they blow a coverage. To Will Fuller, yeah. Yeah, touchdown. And I'm thinking to myself, this really cannot be happening. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about done with Matt Burke. It's been 24 yeah. games in the system. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work. Like, there's just so many not? times that you could blame everybody else and it's – you know, how many more players do you need? The wide nine doesn't work. It's it not doesn't. working. It's not, it didn't really work last year. It's not working. Cam Wake now looks like a 36, 37-year-old defensive end. You know, and I know that he's getting pressures, and the, but pressures aren't sacks. No. You know, Charles, Charles Harris, I mean, this is where we need Charles Harris to step up and the guy can't get off the injury table. Robert Quinn has, after the first four games where he was excellent in all facets of the game, has suddenly disappeared completely. The interior defensive line, Vincent Taylor got injured and we missed him and, you know, they, they couldn't make a tackle. McMillan, for all of our talk about, you know, he really needs to be the most important player on the defence. He really hasn't stepped up and you wonder whether or not is it going to be, you know, one of those situations where it's two years on from the ACL like a lot of players or whether or not he just wasn't the player that we hoped he was. Jerome Baker looks okay, but, you know, he can be a liability in coverage and fuck me, some of that. Some of the corner play was just – I mean, Howard played really, really well. I mean, really well. Yes, Hopkins he did. Is, I mean, Hopkins and Adam Thielen, uh, along with Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, are the best four, best four wide receivers in the league. And, uh, and I would throw A.J. Green in there. I like A.J. Yeah. Green a lot. He's, he's complete. And I just um, – you know, and, and Xavier's shutting down. Apart from the one, you know, one touchdown, you know, which is a one-yard slant, which, you know, is – Deion Sanders is going to – you know, you're not going to stop that. I don't know. It was just, um, it was disappointing. It was so disappointing. And look, that PFF statistic about Minka Fitzpatrick today, he's on the field 52% of the time. One of our best, best players. You know, he's being, he's on, the, he's on the field for just over half of our defensive plays, yet we wonder why our defense is so shit. You draft this kid, everybody talks up how great this kid is, everybody talks about how he should be a captain already. He's all over the place. He's probably our best tackler. He's our second best coverage guy. You know, he can play inside, he can play outside, he can play free safety, he can play strong safety, he can play nickel corner, he can play dime corner. And yet, he's on the field 50% of the time. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, yeah. it's, um, hey, I'm, it's, it is what it is. I'm just coming down. No, and it's the, and it's the snaps. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how well Vincent Taylor had been playing. Mm. And then that Detroit game comes around and he plays like, what was it, 24 snaps? What's that all about? <laughs> you know, and then you wonder, and then you wonder. Okay, we gave up like a billion yards on the ground against Detroit, and nine yards a carry. That's a real statistics, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. They give up nine yards a carry in that game, and Vincent Taylor is standing there by Matt Burke, uh, not in the game. One of your best defensive tackles, mm-hmm. and he wasn't injured then. He's injured now. So yeah, I, I'm about done with with Matt Burke and the whole defensive staff, really. Like, you've drilled it into these guys for 24 games, and if they don't have it now, it's your system. It, it's yeah. not the players. And I've, I've said this before. I've said this on Twitter, and i said this on, the, on our little WhatsApp chats. How many more players do you want, Matt Burke? Uh, most teams do not have three Pro Bowl-level secondary players. They just don't. Nobody has three de- defensive backs like Xavier Howard, Rashad Jones, and Micah Fitzpatrick. And then Bobby McCain is not terrible. Is well, it- but the thing is as well, and Chris, Chris advocated moving him to corner, and you know, we agreed that it was a, you know, a fair dis- For me, you leave him where he is because he's such a good nickel cornerback because then you're, you're essentially you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in a way. You know, you, you've now weakened a position 
Now you put Minka in, and okay, Minka's playing really well, but Minka could play somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Minka, why don't, Minka could play free safety. So then yeah. you're strengthening. The, then you've got Minko. You can play single high with. You can move Rashad into the box. Minko can cover the field from left to right. Yes, that opens up a situation on one of the corner positions, which needs to be filled. But uh, I don't know. It just like Tim TJ McDonald just is such a liability, and he, he and Rashad just do similar things. And uh, I mean that touchdown. The, the touchdown when where it looked like it was Rashad's fault and actually on the All-22 it was clearly TJ's fault. And you look at the situation, it's the play where Bobby's kind of pointing. I think it was the Will Fuller touchdown that we talked about just a minute ago. And you just think, how is miscommunication that bad amongst, you know, elite, you know, uh, elite free safety and in, in, elite strong safety in, um, in Rashad and a really good nickel corner and a really experienced safety in TJ Madonna. I don't understand how it's that bad. And like you say, it can't just be the players. It's got to be the system. And Matt Burke must know this. I mean, there's a reason why he chucked his, you know, the Microsoft Surface <laughs> tablet down the floor. I mean, that was the best thing he'd done all fucking season. <laughs> yes. He smashed it into 100 pieces. Exactly. You know. But, you know, when they're blowing a coverage that bad, it, it has to be on you. Like, these guys yeah. don't want to blow coverages. It's that you're calling something that is not drilled correctly into them. So, yeah. so... In the end, you know, the book has to stop somewhere and it has to stop on the guy that has been here for 24 games and the defense has gotten progressively worse. Mm. And you can't go, and I was telling this to Chris today in the WhatsApp chat, you cannot go from playing perfect, and I mean perfect, run defense against the Jets on the road against a team that has two really good running backs, Okay to this disaster that we've seen the last two weeks against Detroit and against the Texans. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. You don't go from elite to historically bad in a span of a month. It doesn't happen unless you take a, a whole bunch of injuries. And it really didn't take that many since that jet game on, as far as, you know, linebackers and defensive line. So, yeah, you know, I'm about done with Matt Burke, but I know what we're not done with, and that's Bet the Asai, our great sponsor. We'll never be done with Bet DSI. I mean, ever, right? Never. Never. Because, and I'm not a gambling man because I've got too addictive a personality and I'd lose all my money, but you boys are, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. And if you're not betting with Bet DSI, then frankly, you're one of my favorite words, which is a moron. Um, by the way, Lorenzo Alexander just took out Tom Brady on a reverse, which I absolutely loved. And I wonder what price you'd get with Bet DSI for that. Look, the NFL NCAA season's are rattling along the the nba season has just begun major league baseball season finished yesterday but you can probably start you know what price you get on the red sox for to, for winning it all next season you can find out with betdsi.com they're celebrating 20 years they've got a great reputation for, for great service alf and chris have been using them and they're not just saying that it's been a great thing it really has been a great thing and plus they get fast payment for their winnings and these boys win quite a lot alf, i mean it seems like alf's on holiday all the time because he's winning so much money on gambling Excellent mobile interface. You can play, you can win, you can get paid anytime. And to help you get started, BetDSI are offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit now, start winning, and get up to $2,500 for free. Double your money from the get-go. When it comes to football, BetDSI has a wager that has every wager you could ever want or imagine. So if it's happening in sports, they'll put a line on it. The NFL, the NCAA, baseball next season, UFC, the NBA, Premier League, esports, political stuff. I bet you could bet on the Oscars. The Oscars. I mean, yeah. you know, take Ryan Gosling, take the under on Ryan Gosling and the over on Claire Foy to win Oscars. There you go. So join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid. Do not stand on the sidelines and miss out with the excellent people at BetDSI.com because you will enjoy the games that much more when you play with them. Boom. There you go. Well, speaking about DSI, our streak came to an end, Simon, this past week. Because, it did. Like an idiot, I saw seven and a half points. I felt that they would lose. I said they would lose, but I thought they would lose by a touchdown or less. It was all good when they were losing 21 to 17. Then things got progressively worse, and my record now stands at 6-1-1 one, and one for the season. Now, Matt Burke... And Adam Gase, we already spoke a little bit about Matt Burke, but the noise is getting a little louder 
team is four and four. Matt, uh, Adam Gase is 20 and 20. All the comparisons have come out. There's even some comparisons of Adam Case to Joe, Joe Philbin. It's interesting as well because you know, I'm conflicted on Gaze, and I'll tell you what for why. And I was having a conversation with Ethan, Ethan Skolnick, who, who is the, the, the boss of the Five Reasons Sports Network, if you like, him and Chris. Uh, and Five Reasons uh, as a network have taken a position with which they are quite critical about Adam Gaze. And if you listen to the, to, to the flagship podcast last night, they talked about their reasons why. I'm, I'm torn about Gaze because I think Gaze is a good coach. I think he's a good guy and I think he's a good coach. And I think you have to look at some of the things like halftime adjustments, for example. I think he's an excellent halftime adjuster of, of a coach. I think he gets away from things a little bit too much. Like we got away from the run game a bit too much again. You know, you don't want Osweiler dropping back and throwing to his, you know, I know he didn't throw it, but you know, I think we get away from the run a bit too much. I think that the early, the fact that we haven't scored either a field goal or a touchdown on the first drive for about, since about 1872 is an absolute disgrace. Since the Reagan administration, we haven't... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what's happening there. I don't understand it. And if they're playing off scripted plays, surely somebody must be going, mate, these scripted plays are fucking dog shit. Can we, you know, sort that out? <laughs> yes. Because this is really poor. But I do think he's a good coach. And look, you said that he's 20, 20, 20 and 20, which he is, okay? And you can't... People, you know, especially on social media, you, you lay out some facts... And people go, oh, it's just excuses. Well, I mean, they're not excuses. They're just facts. They're just facts. And the facts are that Ryan Tannehill has missed, you know, that this is it. And whatever people say, oh, Tannehill's not, he's a backup. He's a wide receiver. He's, you know, he, he's paid like a franchise quarterback. And before the New England game, for the first two games of the season, he was fifth on Peter King's MVP list, having a really strong start to the season. Mm-hmm. He's missed 23 of those 40 games. 23 of those games. I mean, it, it's... We're playing with Jay Cutler, Brock Osweiler, and David Fails. That they're that they're the three quarterbacks of the. I mean, Danny Amendola threw a better ball than, than, <laughs> than Brock Osweiler did the other night. You cannot yes. expect you cannot expect us to consistently win games with a backup quarterback. Take the Patriots for example. Take Tom Brady out of the equation. See how many games Bill Belichick would win. The perfect example is the Green Bay Packers. Look at Mike McCarthy's record without Aaron Rodgers. Look at it last season and what it was like. You know, I think at the start of this season, and we've talked about it ad infinitum on this podcast, but it's worth repositioning that over two years, the first two years of Adam Gaze's career in Miami, he was seven, he was sixteen and sixteen, and he'd had I think he he missed Ryan Tannehill for something like twenty of, of, of those games. McCarthy was seventeen and fifteen, and he'd had he'd only missed Aaron Rodgers. He'd, he'd had Aaron Rodgers for. Oh, he'd missed Aaron Rodgers for only nine of those games. Yet McCarthy's won a Super Bowl, and everybody says he's a good coach. Well, all of a Adam Gaze can't be a shit coach if if um, McCarthy is is a really good coach, and, and yet Gaze has missed his quarterback for double the amount of time that, that that McCarthy has. I just I just don't buy it. And you look at the injuries that we've had. You know, all of these guys have been out for two plus games this season. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills potentially will miss his second game this, this week. Devontae Parker, AJ Derby, uh, Marquise Gray, uh, Laramie Tunsil had the concussion and the, the massive collapse against Cincinnati, which was pretty much the reason we lost. Then missed the following week's game. All pro left guard Josh Sitton, starting centre Daniel Kilgore. Ted Larson has missed, missed a number of snaps through injury and we're down to Wesley Johnson, who was a street-free agent. Um, defensively, Cameron Wake has missed more than two games. Vincent Taylor looks like he's going to miss a game. Um, William Hayes for the season. William Hayes has been out for, for since the start of the season. Charles Harris, last year's first round pick, has been out for four games. The, the Mike Hull, Chase Allen, Rashad Jones, uh, Bobby McCain. I mean, uh, so at some point, you've got to put your hands up and say this is one of the worst injury crises that that a team is having in the NFL this season. I mean, I know Atlanta is Atlanta suffering for, through injuries, certainly defensively, in terms of you know. Dion Jones and the uh, the safety that they got in the first round a couple of years ago, um, a couple of defensive linemen. But it's not as bad as what's excuse me. It's not as bad as what's happening to the Dolphins. It's not as bad. And yet, you know. So I, I just think it's really difficult to it's really difficult to position where Adam Gaze is. And you look at what's out there. You know, are we would we go for a Lincoln Riley or a Matt Campbell or a Matt Rule or 
you know, a, a Jeff Brom, one of the, 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 the highly thought of young coaches in the college circuit? Or would you go for a retread uh, head coach? You know, Jason Garrett, for example, if he's let go as people predict at the end of the season by the Dallas Cowboys, will Sean Payton stay in New Orleans? You know, questions like that. Who, who's out there? Who, who's going to lift this team? I think Adam Gaze is a, is a good head coach. And, uh, and I say again, I was told that Stephen Ross thinks he has his Don Shula when he hired Adam Gaze. And I don't think an awful lot has changed because Ross is not an idiot. He understands what's happening in terms of injuries. And what's happening is that the Dolphins are going through a torrid time with injuries. So I just think it's hard to judge Adam Gaze based on what's happening. And people go, oh, it's excuses. The guys at three yards per carry love Adam Gaze. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're just trying to bring facts. I'm not trying to, you know, I want to win football games. I want to win a Super Bowl. I hate being mediocre. I hate the fact that we've been to the playoffs once since, you know, like you say, the Reagan administration. <laughs> you know, it's, it's boring. We didn't win a Super Bowl with arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. It's boring. And it's fucking boring to watch the Patriots win week after week after week after week. It's boring to think that we could have had Drew Brees and we didn't. It's boring to think that we could have had Matt Ryan and we didn't. It's boring to think that we could have had Josh Rowe. Whatever. We are where we are. But, you know, I, I don't think you can lump it all on Gaze being a shit coach because I don't think in any way, shape or form he is a shit coach. Yeah. And one thing I don't understand is how everybody just lumps in like the last 15 or 20 or 30 years. Uh, no, it's the last three years. Because uh, yeah, three years ago we hired Adam Gase. We reorganized we reorganized the front office completely. Reassigned scouts even. So we were even changing regional scouts to different regions. Mm. So the whole organization got uprooted and changed around. So I consider like the last three years to be what to judge this team on, not the last fifteen to twenty. But let me say, the, uh, under Adam Gase, the the bad luck, the abject bad luck that they've had with injuries is insane. If you remember in 2016, toward the end of the year, they were rolling guys off the street to play in the secondary. Yeah. I so, mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I think, you know, people say, all the people that complain that we make excuses because Gaze has had injuries to deal with are then the ones that turn around and say, oh, well, he only got to the playoffs because J.H.I. had a massive game at Pittsburgh. <laughs> or he only got to the playoffs because we managed to win against Buffalo in overtime. and it, we, were, we got lucky. Or we, just, we only got to the playoffs because, you know, um, yeah, a myriad of different excuses. We, we, beat, we beat who we beat. I mean, there are the teams on our schedule. We didn't, you know, we didn't luck out because we got those teams on the schedule. That was the schedule. I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you. So you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah, say... I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, that argument, I completely throw that argument away. When people say, oh, they were lucky to win this game. No. Now, had they completed a Hail Mary from like 60 yards out to win the game at the buzzer, then you can say, yeah, that's luck. If it bounced well, off except, like six helmets... Except that Aaron Rodgers completed a fourth and... 33 from his own goal line against the Arizona Cardinals to Jeff Janis. And then two plays later threw a Hail Mary again to Jeff Janis over Patrick Peterson to take a game to overtime. And yet that was genius. <laughs> yes. you know, six weeks before on the final play of the game in Detroit, Rogers throws a Hail Mary to, to, to Richard Rogers, the tight end in the yes. end zone. And again, that's uh, listen, you're never going to find a bigger Aaron Rodgers fan than me. I mean, Danica Patrick, has got nothing on my fandom for Aaron Rodgers. But, but you know, um, I, I just don't understand that. It, it, if that had been the Dolphins, it would have been, oh, they got, you know, they completed two Hail Marys to win games. It's just fluky. They didn't deserve to. When Rodgers does it, it's like the guy's a genius. And the guy is a genius. But the two aren't mutually exclusive. You know, the Dolphins can't be, you know, lucky and Rodgers a genius when if you flipped it, you know, it just doesn't work. You can't, that can't be used as an excuse. You beat who you beat, you beat who's on the schedule. And that's what we did. And, you know, Gay showed his mettle as a coach, got the team motivated, team love playing for him. It is what it is. I just, you know, that line of argument just fucking annoys me. Yeah, they have a, they have a second half of the season here. The defense is beginning to get a little healthy. They got to sort out what's going to happen with Bobby McCain. Is he healthy or not? And if he's not, then get somebody else in there, reorganize, reorganize the entire secondary movement, get a free safety, do something. And then yeah, they've got to do something. They've got to line up against the Jets this weekend. Something's got to be different. Yes. And they got to figure out, they got to figure out that system, simplify, simplify, 
run some different fronts. Who knows? Maybe have Kiko call the fronts. You know, he, he understands what's happening in the running game because the white nine just does not work. Our defensive ends do not get to their landmarks. They open up gaping holes. That doesn't even matter that, that they're opening themselves up too wide because our linebackers are not finding their run fits. Even though they got like six yards to run to, they end up running right into the belly of some guard that's pulling. So, and that happened like three times, by the way, in that Texans game, by especially Jerome Baker, by the way. He had a, he had a yeah. horrible time in that game. And you've now got, we've, you've, you know, you've now got people, and listen, I don't blame people messaging, you know, but people messaging us on social media going, you know, would Jameis Winston be a guy that we, no, Jameis Winston is <laughs> not a guy that we'd be interested in. But, you know, then you look at the draft. And, you know, this, this is not the year for, 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 for quarterbacks. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And yeah, I think that this is the year, especially in the, in the offseason, they're going to have to be really, really bold and really yeah. sell out for a quarterback. And well, what, uh, what, unless what they plan ahead for 2020. Yeah, uh, yeah, unless, yeah, unless they, just, they just punt the year and say, you know what, we're going to go with Ryan Tannehill one last time. And if he does it, great. If he doesn't do it, it doesn't matter because we're going to get a quarterback in 2020. But I think they have to be bold. And what's really interesting is that I go on and I just ask a question. I'm not saying that we're out, we're going to go out there and trade a first-round pick for him. But I just pose the question, you know, does Derek Carr do anything for you? And I got a litany of, of tweets telling me, he's terrible. Oh, we're going to be 8-8 eight and eight forever. And I'm like, oh, my God, guys. Like, like he sucks too. Like, you're yeah. already hating on him, and he's not even in the Dolphin uniform right now. By the way, Derek Carr just had a game against uh, – granted, it was the Colts. But I think only 25 guys in the history of the NFL have had a game like he had, which was two touchdowns, 80% completions, and a running touchdown, and yeah. 300 yards. So, the guy can play. If he's available – He struggled we- for the last – you know, he struggled for the last season a bit, I think. You know, certainly since the broken leg. It's yes. been difficult for him. You know, but he's the, the absolutely person, redeemable. Absolutely. Guy, of course. The, the guy, if we were trading for a quarterback, the guy that I would be looking to trade for would be Russell Wilson of Seattle. Uh, and, you know, with, there are issues, in inverted commas, around his contract and whether right. or not he would, you know, that is the guy that, you know, that's the guy that you turn the franchise around with. Because to me, Russell Wilson is unquestionably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a question. Yes, I completely agree. And there's going to be an opportunity because he's made no bones about it. Uh, he wants to be the, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So there could be an impasse where Seattle decides not to pay him. And that's going to be next year. Like next year, you're going to have that drama being lived out in front of everybody in the NFL. Mm. And is he the guy that you just go out there and just send away three first-round picks? Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So there's going to be an opportunity. But for now, you know, the team is what it is. They're injured. They're starting to get a little healthier. They're going to have to refocus this team and try to put together an effort toward the playoffs because, my God, are they getting help. After, these, after this disaster that they've gone under and they're only a game out of the playoffs – I mean, they could go three and one. They could go three and one the next four games, but they could lose all four. Yes, you know, they could. You know, they could. They're the not Jets to be next, trusted anymore. They're they're no, not to they're be not. trusted anymore. Their their uh their room for error has gone to zero. Remember, I told you if they win this Texans game, all these games that we expected them to lose, they actually lost. <laughs> so so they haven't helped themselves at all this season, and actually hurt themselves because we expected a win against Detroit. Yeah. So so I mean, they should yeah. be they should beat the Jets on Sunday. They should uh-huh. beat the Jets on Sunday. Then they should uh, lose uh, to, to the Packers. I suspect they should lose to Green Bay. Indianapolis, I mean, you and I discussed this last night. You know, India, India are a good side and are an ascending side. And Andrew Luck is having an MVP-type season. Yes. That offensive line is finally coming together. There are a few pieces away. Defensively, they're playing well. Darius Leonard is, is playing lights out. The Colts are uh, 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 getting better. And the teams that they've, A, the teams they've beaten. Look, Washington are 5-2 and two on top of the NFC West, uh, the NFC East. Indianapolis mm-hmm. beat them. The games they've lost, they've only lost by, you know, I think the Jets is the only game that they've lost where they've lost by more than seven points. No, they, they got killed. The they got killed by the Patriots. The Patriots, sorry, the Patriots is the game they lost by. And then we've got the Bills. Then we've got the Bills at home, which you'd hopefully expect to win. 
but you know it's the Bills, so uh, who knows? But there was an opportunity to go three and one and that, but then there was also an opportunity to go zero and four or one and three. And I think if they lose two of those games, and we end up we're six and six with that stretch that then starts Patriots, Vikings, um, Jaguars, Bills. Again, you could easily lose three of those four games, you know. So mm. I, I think um, uh, as much as I like Adam Gates, I wonder how much. Anything less than, I mean, eight and eight, seven and nine. I'm not sure. I mean, is that going to suffice? I don't know. Yeah, I think nine. But I think it'd be a mistake seven. to get rid of him. Yeah, I think nine and seven can do it this year, but it has to be the right nine, meaning they're yeah. going to have to win basically all of their AFC games, and they could afford to just punt the the NFC games and the out of division games. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So. To me, they've got to. To me, they're going to have to beat. They've got to beat the Packers. They've got to beat one of the Packers, Patriots, Vikings. Really, one of those. One of those. You've got to win one of those games. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they what they're helped with is that I have the future book right here in front of me. There are three point favorites this weekend against the Jets. They are favored. There's eight games left. Okay. They are favored to win four of those eight. That gets you to eight wins. Now, where are they going to find the effort to win a game that they're an underdog in? And do we trust them to do that? One thing I suppose we have talked about, and we'll talk about it in a sec, is whether or not the team gets help and whether or not Burke gets help. We should discuss that on the other side of this. This is the Five Reason Sports Network, Miami Sports On Demand. We now have 13 podcasts in the network posting roughly 15 times per week, all absolutely free. Find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. Plus, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more fresh content. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Cinco Razones when they talked to George Sedano. No, están frustrados. No, yo lo entiendo. Yo entiendo. Y, y Pat Riley también está frustrado. Van ya dos veces que le ha colgado el teléfono a Tom Thibodeau y le ha dicho que se vaya para el carajo. If you want to get involved as a sponsor or a contributor, reach out to us at number five reason sports on Twitter. Don't forget to punch five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. And we're back. And now I have Chris Kaufman with me. And I'm going to get some thoughts from him just to put that game to bed very briefly. But we will talk trade deadline. But first, let me tell you about a great sponsor, BetQL. Want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? BetQL is available for download. And it's the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily access line movement to see how the lines have moved. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's betql.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer, trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. Speaking of BetQL, they had the Texans as a take at seven and a half points, and they had them as what should have been nine point favorites in that game. I guess BetQL was. Right. Your thoughts to put that game mercifully to an end, Chris? Uh, you know, I, I, we all lived through it and we all, we all saw it. So I, I don't know that I have anything profound to add to, um, to what was going on in the game. It certainly seemed like on the defensive side of the ball, I thought that the defense wasn't prepared for the sorts of run looks that, uh, that the Houston Texans were going to give them. And they certainly, you know, they certainly didn't seem prepared on the back end for um for for some of the uh, 
some of the the patterns that that the receivers are running and sort of the longer the longer hold uh, patterns, longer developing patterns, uh, you know, deep crosses and stuff like that. And they weren't prepared to get pressure to prevent those you know deeper patterns from developing. Um, so the, there was there was a lot there was a lot that went wrong there. Uh, I think one of the things that I took from it is on offense, even though they performed well, I kind of you kind of got the feeling that maybe the the Brock Osweiler experience, the Brocktoberfest, is uh, is unwinding a little bit. Yes, uh, he's not accurate at all. No, oh, it's certainly not. I mean, it, he certainly had his nits with accuracy, and and he wasn't going to make any plays when he had, was forced off his spot and out of the pocket or something like that. I mean, at best, you're hoping for a throwaway. But in other ways, I mean, you're starting to see a little bit more of that, like that sort of embarrassing type play from out of him. Um, you saw it with that that sort of fumble return for a touchdown that ended up being somehow a forward pass, even though it wasn't. Um, tuck rule, tuck rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Whatever it was, it was an embarrassing play, and we're lucky that it was called the way it was um, because personally I, I thought it should have been called the other way. You're starting to see that. I mean, and, and you're starting to see it on some other plays too, where he's missing a guy. Or, and I, I thought to myself, I remember thinking to myself, and in, in during the game, and this was during the first half, and I was talking to Simon about it. It was kind of funny. Um, there was, he went through a stretch of plays where it's like really good. And I, then I thought to myself, wow, Brock Osweiler is really looking great at the quarterback. And I immediately, the second thought that I had in my head is because I thought that didn't even say it because I thought that I just jinxed him <laughs> yes. and, uh, and the very next play like he tried to throw the damnedest interception you'd ever see uh didn't succeed because the guy didn't hold it down but um but yeah I mean you can kind of see it unraveling I, I think for Brock and that's the way it is like he's the kind of backup that would start out you know maybe hot and and do some good things for you and then the next time it's it's still good but you know not quite as good and then the next time after that time after that it's it's starting to to crack and get worse that's the way he's going to be as a backup so the longer that he's going to be in the the worse it's going to get in my opinion and um and so now i think we reported on this podcast a week ago um that that in the Jets game, Ryan Tannehill is not going to play or, you know, very little chance that he's going to play. And that looks to be proving out. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's going to play against the Jets and it could get ugly. I mean, and if it does get ugly, you know, this this whole season is going to start getting pretty, pretty bad. But otherwise, just little things like Ted Larson should probably be out of there at left guard. It should be Wesley Johnson. He played a lot better mm-hmm. uh, than than Ted Larson. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought Cameron Wake actually had a good day, good game. And, uh, and he's, you know, people say that he's old, that he's not producing, and they, they keep getting obsessive about sacks. Uh, I don't obsess about sacks when it comes to evaluation. Uh, for evaluation purposes, it's all about pressure rate. It's all about how many pressures you're getting uh, per pass rush. Because that's what is consistent over time for skilled players. If players have skill, then their pressure rates are elevated and they stay ele- elevated and they stay consistent. Um, the so-called, you know, sack rate uh, or um, or some, the conversion rate, the you know how many how many sacks you get per pressure or how many sacks you get per um, per pass rush snap is just incredibly jumpy, totally unpredictable. Um, not very useful for evaluation purposes. And that's because if you have, you know, 50 pressures in a season, then sometimes 10 of them are going to turn into sacks and sometimes only six of them are going to turn into sacks or sometimes 14 of them turn into sacks. What would you say to this? I argue that they shouldn't buy because Mm. to get one of those guys that you – want to plug in and could be a, a long-term fix, it's going to cost you an asset that you mm. might need this offseason coming up to get a quarterback. Mm. So what do you say to that? Well, I would agree with you if I thought that, if I thought that there were any, any quarterback possibilities out there for the Dolphins in this offseason that were attractive to use those assets on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing, Simon and I have both been doing quite a bit of evaluation of this uh, draft class, and neither of us seems to like it. Um, Justin Herbert and Dwayne Haskins, we've talked about, are two of the guys toward the top. But Justin Herbert, there's already been a media report, uh, a CBS, I believe it was a CBS report, that Justin Herbert is going intends to stay in school another year. And Dwayne Haskins, there's never been any indication that he's going to come out in the first place. And this is his first year starting, so why would he? So, um, so I think, you know, if you take those guys aside, and Herbert, I'm not that hot, not necessarily that hot on to begin with, then it's, it's just so mean out there with the draft as far as trying to get a good quarterback. And then you look at, okay, well, what could we get in the offseason otherwise? Do you, do you really think Russell Wilson is going to switch teams? Because I don't. I think that that's just all being manufactured because Russell wants a new deal and it's going to get done and and that's it um and otherwise you know it's, it's Derek Carr and it's like should we really be falling all over ourselves to get Derek Carr um and and trading away a first round pick for Derek Carr I mean it's, it's just seems like a first round pick for such a sideways move at quarterback to me and I, I think Simon you know and I sort of agree on that I think we've talked about that before yeah so so what do you what are you holding out? What are you holding the candle for as far as these assets go? Uh, it's not going to work out that well anyway. So, so just try and do the best you can. Um, and you don't necessarily have to give away the assets to try and do that, if that makes sense. Well, is Derek Carr a really a, a sideways move? Because... I kind of think of him as a sideways move. If it weren't for some compatibility with – you know, I do think that there's some compatibility with Adam Gase, although I haven't really, you know, analyzed it to the nth degree. But there is some compatibility with Adam Gase. But if it weren't for that, yeah, yeah, kind of a sideways move. It really is. Well, that's this coming offseason. But what do you expect at this trade deadline? Because Adam Gase flatly told Jason Leisure of the Palm Beach Post that he is not trading Devontae Parker. Yeah, I think that it's – Based on what I've heard and um, and what I'm what we're hearing from Adam Gase, and there's a possibility that Adam Gase is straight up cock blocking them, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, on Devonte Parker because I think that there is sentiment in there to trade Parker, and there have been conversations and there have been phone calls and a lot of sharing of you know medical information and stuff like that. And Adam Gase coming out and declaring that Devontae Parker is – I'm not going to say that that's the first time anybody has heard that. I'm sure he's come right out to them and said that too. But I wonder if, like, he's just basically squashed it and said, no, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, we, um, said, this, we said this before. Uh, Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill are big Devontae Parker fans. Well, and, especially after that last game, right, too? Yeah, and, and that's just going to reinforce their thinking. So, you know, like, who would want to get an asset out of Devontae Parker? Well, I think Chris Greer and Tannenbaum would both like to get out from under what yes. they might have to pay him next mm-hmm. year. $9.4 so, $9. million, I would I, – yeah. I'd, I'd rather do a lot of things than pay Devontae Parker $9.4 million next year, that's for sure. Yeah, and all you have to do is just you – know, if you don't believe us, go on SportTrack and see what $9.4 million per year can mm-hmm. buy you in the open market it could buy you a hell of a football player it could it could it could provide you a guy that's actually going to contribute for 16 games a year and not you know whenever he feels you know up to playing which is the way we could describe how Devontae Parker has been this year I do not buy at all not even for a second what his agent was saying that he's been healthy all year and he's been a healthy scratch and then he decides to rip Adam Gase on top of it no, I don't buy it for a second. No, Adam Gates is a big Devontae Parker fan, one of his biggest advocates on this team. He would have been playing if he was fine. He kept $8 finding million injuries. A year. $8 million a year is Cameron Wake's last contract. Uh, and this guy wants 9.4. Yeah, Cameron it's 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 right there. And for his agent, I don't know if he's a fan of 3YPC, but if he is a fan of 3YPC, uh, we have credentials, sir, and we go to practices. And we see Devontae Parker miss practices. 
don't forget, he had a boo-boo on his, on his thumb, I believe it was. And he was out for most of camp. Before he had the boo-boo on the thumb, he was leaving practices in the middle of practices, and he was sitting out plays all the time, complaining about one thing or the other. It's who he is. Mm. He's going to look great because he, you know, you just watch him play, and he's a maje- big, majestic, fast athlete, and he looked great against the Texans. He made some plays. Yeah, he was lucky on that Jakeem Grant. Yeah, the ball just glitched into his hands on the biggest play of the game. <laughs> yes, but, you know, he played well. And, like, you know, a screen that was really well blocked where he got to run 30 yards or something like that before anybody touched him. Or, you know, uh, there, was, there was a play against Josh Keys. And, you know, is, but the one that he the, – the third down play, I think, against Natural Jamerson, that was a really good play. It was against Natural Jamerson, but it was a really good play. Um, and then it's good on him to catch that ball that glitched into his hands because a lot of times you don't see guys actually catch it. Um, yeah, and he did. And remember, in the second in the second quarter, he ran a nine route that Osweiler threw to him and overthrew him. But he was uh, he was in that that little window mm. behind a roll up corner and two deep coverage. Yeah. And I would say not thirty two quarterbacks, twenty eight quarterbacks make that throw. And it's a 26, 28-yard game. So yeah. there was well, opportunities. There was one like that, though. There was one like that, though, that Osweiler actually hit. And I thought Devontae could have come up with it. And he didn't. Uh, so I don't know. All right. Now, so that's Devontae Parker. It doesn't seem like they want to trade him. Mainly Adam Gates doesn't want to trade him. He's shocking if he says what he said today and then all of a sudden they trade him, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would be shocking. Although it's happened it, before. It would actually, it would be telling as far as like, this is your headline if that happens. Adam Gase is on thin ice. Yes. Like, that's your headline. Or he got, Adam and, and I'm told, and, you know, this is not any hard information. It's just basically anecdotal. But Stephen Ross is on the warpath uh, and Davey. <laughs> You know, and when I mean Warpath, when the owner starts asking for scouting reports and asking about the team and asking about individual players, mm-hmm. there's an issue going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When he's asking about personnel, there's a problem. Yeah. Okay. So any other players that you would try to seek to monetize here at the deadline? Well, I don't know about monetizing. I, I've I've gone ahead and said on Twitter that, you know, and this is part because I just I love the player so much and I want to see him do well, and I don't think the Dolphins are in the midst of doing well right now. Uh, Cameron Wake, if if our old buddy Jeff Ireland wanted Cameron Wake to you know further their Super Bowl run this year, I would think about it, and that's just because I don't think Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn coexist. That was another takeaway from this game, as, as well as all the games that we've seen is they've played those two together on the same defensive line uh, rotation. And I never thought that was a good idea because they're too much of the same thing. They're both outside speed rushers. Um, You know, Cameron Wake is not quite as one-dimensional, but Robert Quinn is strictly one-dimensional. He is the most pure one-dimensional outside speed rush guy you'll find. And, you know, these guys are arrow shots at the quarterback. And if you have two of them together – doing it the same way on the same play, then it's far too easy, I think, for the quarterback or for the, uh, for the offensive coordinator um, to, to account for that, to account for those speed rushers. Bill Belichick has talked about how easy speed rushers are to handle because you can send a chip at them, you can run right at them, you can just step up in the pocket. I mean, quarterbacks step up in the pocket without even thinking about it, without even feeling the heat. I've seen Robert Quinn get, you know, breathe down a quarterback's neck and the quarterback doesn't even feel it. He just steps up because that's what he's coached to do. And, you know, so, so that doesn't really go down as a pressure, but on the one hand, you're going to look at that and be like, Oh, Robert Quinn, what a great pass rusher, except he's not a great pass rusher right now because he's not versatile. He doesn't, you know, and what he can do getting to the, to the quarterback, he does it one way, Camera weight tends to do it the same way too. So they're not a great mix and they're not a good mix against the run. Uh, and it's too, it's too easy to do things against them. You can see this in the stats when they're together out on the field, the yards per pass and the yards per, per carry are way up compared to when it's only just one of them on the field. 
And I think that that's, I mean, they don't, they don't coexist. I mean, that's the bottom line. You gotta, you gotta get rid of one of them. And one of them happens to be like 28 years old. The other one happens to be 36 years old. So probably think about getting rid of the older one. Uh, although I think the older one is still the better player. Now, would you be a buyer for any of the defensive backs that are being rumored to be available? Although Patrick Peterson says he is not going to be traded, but I'm pretty certain if you watch that team, that team's a dumpster fire. They just won a game. So, you know, whoopee. But that team is absolutely god-awful. Would you make a play for a Patrick Peterson or would you make a play for somebody like Landon Collins, who I happen to like a lot? From you, the you and New York I actually Giants. talked about you and I actually talked about Peterson on one of our podcasts recently, um, mm. and you made great points about the allocation uh, of resources there. Because you get Pat Peterson, he the reason you're getting him is he needs a new contract. Well, who else needs an, a new contract? Xavier Howard, mm. uh, and then you also have Bobby McCain's contract, which you just gave out as the um, the third guy, the slot corner. Uh, so together, that would be uh, just an absurd amount of resources on your top three corners. I realize corners are valuable, but, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But still, I mean, that, that, that could be rather absurd. Uh, the guy that stands out, I mentioned him to a, in our WhatsApp chat, is, is Landon Collins. And it's not, it's not because I think that we're going to acquire Landon Collins and make a Super Bowl run. I, I think the damage, a lot of the damage – that we've seen that we've been able to assess as the season has gone on to me on the defense is done. Um, it seems structural. It seems uh, teaching. Uh, it seems like uh, bad, you know, bad techniques, bad system. Uh, I don't think you just up and turn that around all of a sudden. I think that you're going to have to take a reset in the off season and then hope it gets better. That's just my opinion, um, and God knows I could be wrong. But um, but so I'm not trying to get Landon Collins because I'm, I'm under any illusions about the season or turning it around. I'm getting Landon Collins because I just think he's a great piece to build around, um, and and he's available and supposedly available, and I would love to just add him to the defense and ultimately speaking have a Landon Collins, Minka Fitzpatrick safety duo in, in the backfield. And people talk about T.J. McDonald as if we're stuck with him. Well, we're not stuck with him. I mean, he's only guaranteed $3.6 million in salary next year in 2019, and, and that's subject to offset. So, some, so if he gets hired by any other team, then you're getting that money back, or you're getting at least part of it and probably all of it uh, back because I think he would sign for $3.6 million a year for, for, from somebody. So um, – so, you know, they can get rid of T.J. McDonald. That's not the reason that you don't do things like this. It's Rashad Jones. That's, yeah. that's the number one, right? I mean, and I know you love Rashad Jones. But with two bum shoulders, is he going to be here in 2020? You know? Yeah, that's the, that's the thinking. And that was also my thinking on Patrick Peterson. If you do trade an asset for Patrick Peterson, first of all, you're getting one of the best players in football not one right. of the best corners, one of the best players in football. Sure. Uh, is he a top 10 player in football? If you throw away the, the, the quarterbacks, yes. Mm. Yes, he is. He's a top 10 player in, in, in the NFL. Now, my thinking with Patrick Peterson, if you did. Now go, or in 2020, though? You know, is he in 2020? Uh, that's the thing. Uh, if we don't know if he is or not. But if yeah. you do go out and get a Patrick Peterson, it means that, you know, forget about the dream of having – a Patrick Peterson, Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, top four. Yeah. Forget about that. Yeah. If you do get a Patrick Peterson, it means that you have to jettison Rashad Jones immediately, if not sooner. At because- least. And, that, and it would still – you'd still have that absurd allocation to the corners. Yes. Even after that. <laughs> yeah. So you, you would basically be, basically be banking on, you know what, we're going to find a strong safety type, uh, a box safety type, we're going to put Minka Fitzpatrick as the quarterback of the secondary at free safety. Right. And we're going to have two badass corners in Xavier Howard and Patrick. Probably three because Bobby's a good slot. Yeah. And Bobby's a good slot. So yeah, you're going to have three legitimate corners and mm-hmm. your quarterback is going to be Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary. Right. Now that's that would be the idea. And it's a nice idea, but it, it is a, it is a really 
strong and absurd allocation to the corners. Yes, it's it's just too strong. Yeah, you know, it, it, so you're gonna have two guys getting paid eighty million dollars on the outside. Yeah, you can't yeah. have that. You just can't have that. Yeah. Now, uh, there was a guy who was he's not tied to the Dolphins, but it's rumored he's available from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's Dante Fowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on his fit here? I don't see it. Maybe nah. you do. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, uh, a lot of people would be wondering about a, a, a defensive switch or approach. Because I've gone on record. I said this time next year, I think we're going to be looking at a sort of a, a, a Saban-like um, odd front defense with a new defensive coordinator working with some of the same coverages that we've already built, but some of the same you know modular coverages that Nick Saban favors, that Tony Oden runs. Um, so – Dante Fowler, could he fit in that context? He probably could. Um, does he fit in this current you know, system and the, the issues that we have? No, he's exactly the wrong thing. He's more of the same. Yes. Uh, they, they've gotten – they've built this, this system of theirs, um, which is more like a pseudo-system a pseudo built on a technique, a wide-nine technique. And it's uh, – they've built it with these defensive ends that don't look anything like those traditional defense. To me, they don't look a lot like those traditional defensive ends that you saw in Detroit and, um, and some other places because we have favored in Miami, these smaller linebacker like guys, you know, the speed rushers, you know, Robert Quinn married with, uh, with Cameron Wake married with Charles Harris married with, you know, Andre branch. Um, these are, these are not, big tall these are not the mario williams type additions and jason jones additions that we originally made in 2016 when we started trying to establish the system with um with what's his name jim washburn here and jim washburn being a very experienced old hat in this uh this system uh you know they originally tried to get some big defensive ends to run it and then they started favoring the little linebackers types Dante Fowler seems like more of the same to me that way and I just don't see it working yeah yeah I don't see it either we're gonna get a little bit more into defensive ends and what you would like to see but I gotta break some news on the podcast right now mm-hmm. for the second consecutive year a Buffalo Bills fan has thrown onto the field in a game against the New England Patriots a dildo <laughs> is it the same guy I don't know if it's the same guy but the referee uh, the referee very wisely didn't touch the dildo. He just kicked it out of the end zone on national television. Did you? Yes. And there's video right now on Twitter. Although, you know, tomorrow you'll be listening to this podcast. You know, just look it up. You know, just put dildo Buffalo and you're going to find it. So, so Chris, do you have in mind a, a defensive end that would fit here? Because I have a picture in my head of what they really need and what they really need is basically a time machine and go get William Hayes to, to not get hurt. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've put too too much on William Hayes over the the past couple of years, haven't they? You know, what's actually funny. What's funny and ironic to me about the the fact that we all acknowledge that William Hayes has been fantastic when he plays here is Mm -hmm. he's the only one of the defensive ends or it seems like he's the only one that has regular license to not play with the wide nine technique. Yeah. Uh, He was constantly lining up a full, you know, at least a shoulder length, a shoulder width closer to the splits um, than, than any other defensive end. And, you know, he was not, he was never really playing with a wide nine technique and he was the best, he's probably the best guy, best overall Mm -hmm. uh, that that we've seen playing here I don't think that's a coincidence um so I think that you know getting another guy like him I you know in the draft there's there's obviously quality guys and first off you're going to be looking at both the newest Bosa (laughs) yes Uh, and and he's you know he's a he's a stunner uh he's pretty good um so there but the question do you do you really want to go there do you want to you know, we've already just took Charles Harris and and just traded that fourth round pick for Robert Quinn, and everybody was kind of celebrating too early, doing the um you know the mission accomplished banner on uh, on Robert Quinn before he'd really proven himself. 
uh, we all did it. I'm not, you know, not saying anybody in particular, um, yes. you know, do we, do we just want to do like, there's gotta be the, it's sort of like when we got rid of Indomitian and Sue, remember how we got rid of Indomitian and Sue and nobody wanted to hear it about taking another defensive tackle. Yes. Like, like I, I see that kind of coming with the defensive ends, like not another defensive end, you know, it's, so, but, and yet it needs to happen because Cameron Wake is going to move on. Robert Quinn probably should move on because I don't like how one dimensional he is. Or if he does stay here, he's going to be a specialist because that's to me what he is. Uh, or Charles Harris, God only knows we're, we're not seeing anything out of him. Yeah. Um, I think it's priority number one in free agency, at least. Yeah. You know who yeah. I like? I, I like, um, even though he's not playing at all this year, uh, I like Trey Hendrickson of the New Orleans Saints. And we, we've talked about the Saints as a possible trade partner. Um, he's not playing this year. I don't know why he's not playing this year. I, they did just spend an arm and a leg or, you know, gave an arm and a leg for Marcus Davenport. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, um, but Trey Henderson's got a good build. And he played a lot of, like, five technique, if you notice, with, uh, with New Orleans mm-hmm. last year. And he played a lot more and he got a whole lot of pressures and, and was kind of a productive player. Um, he played a like he played some inside and he played some five technique. Like he's a stout dude. He's a, he's a, he's a pretty stout guy, but also has that outside speed rush. Like he's a hellish, you know, speed rusher around the edge when he, when he wants to be, he seems like he's, he's a good fit for the system. All right. Before we get out of here, any other position you would like to see some help at, at the deadline here? At the deadline, at safety, I mean, you know, we've already gone over Landon Collins, but I also think, um, you know, Haha Clinton Dix. Uh, is that how you pronounce his first name, by the way? Is it, yes. is it really like Haha? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that he's another one to, to keep an eye on because um, the, the Packers are supposedly always fielding offers for him, and he's another one that needs a new contract, and he's been a, he's been a pretty good safety – free safety over the years also very relevant highly relevant experience coming from Nick Saban's system just like Landon Collins so you know that that has to be at least a consideration so that's it there is no more the next time we talk to you guys we'll be previewing the hated New York Jets they're in town the Dolphins are actually favored in this game that's unbelievable well they're actually going to be favored four more times the rest of the year on my future book that makes me feel better. Okay, which means that Las Vegas, Las Vegas says <laughs> that they have eight games in the bag. Now, do we find uh, win number nine anywhere else? That's like the every Dolphin fan complains about eight and eight constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is like their worst nightmare. <laughs> it's the worst nightmare that Las Vegas is telling you they're going to yeah. be eight and eight. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.